Welcome to Near Death Experience Podcast. I'm Chaz Hathaway. Today we're going to share the experience of a man named Jonathan. This is on the Near Death Experience Research Foundation website, nderf.org. And uh, we will go ahead and start right into that. He says, I'm Jonathan. It was the summer of 1975. I was 17 years old and lived in a small town in upstate New York. I had purchased a large quantity of a version of LSD called windowpane. My friends and I had been using this drug every day for almost a week, but the effect of one dose hit, of one dose hit was no longer achieving the desired effect. The day before the event, we each took two hits, and the day after the event, I went for the granddaddy of all trips and took five or six hits of this powerful form of LSD. I gave everyone else two to three hits. Around 4.40, I started to feel the effects. But something was different this time. I was starting to feel ill. I was at the house of a friend next door to where I lived with my parents. I went upstairs to lay down in one of the bedrooms because I was feeling dizzy, short of breath. My heart was racing and I was feeling sick. I did notice by the clock next to the bed that it was 4.50 p.m. when I felt my eyes curl up in my head like I was trying to look up and then everything went black. I immediately found myself moving past the planets starting with Venus, then Jupiter, Saturn, Neptune, and Uranus. I must confess that I don't remember seeing Pluto. These planets were very close to each other in sort of a staggered line, not a straight line. They were huge and absolutely beautiful. Jupiter was the most colorful and brightest. They were close together in a way that I would pass one and immediately approach another. I was moving past them in a short amount of time, yet I did not feel like I was moving very fast at all. As I was going past Uranus, I turned my head to look back at all of them again. They were just so incredibly beautiful. When I turned my head to look forward to where I was going, my final destination was well in view and also caught me by surprise. I was approaching a wall of clouds that were in the shape of a horseshoe. I came to stop at the entrance of the size of of the size of this wall of clouds, uh, and the size of this, the wall of clouds was impressive, and I can estimate its dimensions. It seemed to be around 100 feet deep and wide, and perhaps twice as tall. I couldn't see through it. It was purple in color at the bottom, and as I looked up, it got both brighter in color and intensity. Purple to lavender to blue, then light blue to white at the top and billowy like the top of a storm cloud that is reflecting this, the afternoon sun. I should mention that I had no control of my movements. It, I was moving to that position. I didn't try to move on my own, so I don't know if I could have. At the top of the cloud, I saw many, many pairs of wings, pure white with gold accents, and they were all around the entire top rim of the cloud. I immediately realized they were angels. They seemed to be looking at me from their positions, and I could see their wings turning and moving, slowly opening wide and closing. It was an amazing sight. They were being illuminated by a light source I could not see, but the sky above them was yellowish-white in color and very bright. 
I scanned the top of the clouds and looked at all the motion of the angels trying to see some features, but they were just too far away to see their faces or much of their bodies. Their wings were surprisingly large and very easy to see. I was so entranced by what I was seeing, I was startled when I lowered my eyes and saw a figure standing in the middle of this wall of clouds directly in front of me, about 50 feet away on the floor level. I don't recall having a body or feeling a solid surface under me. In fact, the floor under me was as black as the space I had just traveled through. But the figure was that of a person with a full body dressed in a white robe from head to toe. The light from above illuminated this figure, but the hood hung far below or far enough over the head to cast a shadow on the face so that I could not see any detail on the face. I could see his arms were hanging down by his sides by out but outstretched so that his hands were about a foot from the sides with the palms pointing pointing towards me. Neither of us spoke verbally. In fact, there was nothing but silence during the entire event. But as soon as I cast my eyes on this figure, I was overcome with a feeling of love and joy that is too great to put into words. Then my mind was filled with knowledge and answers about my existence and the meaning of life, and I remember saying to myself, Now I understand. Now I get it. It's so easy. At that moment, I knew why I was born and what my purpose was in God's overall plan. And I knew that it was, a, it was very uncomplicated and simple. I then also realized without a doubt that the figure before me was Jesus. After a few more moments of voiceless communication, my next recollection was waking up on the bed I had been laying on. And oh, what a terrible feeling it was to be back, being away from where I'd just come from. I remember yelling, no, and closing my eyes to try to get back there. But of course I couldn't. I looked at the clock. It was 5 p.m., maybe a minute or two after. I got out of bed and realized that I felt great. The effects of the LSD were completely gone. I walked over to a mirror and noticed that my pupils were normal. LSD causes the pupils to dilate big time, even in bright light. We often kidded each other that we had eight ball eyes. I could hear my friends carrying on in the background, still tripping, and I thought to myself, great. I don't feel the joy I just experienced anymore, and I'm not tripping anymore either. I actually walked home and had dinner with my parents. I went back to my friend's house an hour or so later, and they were still quite high on LSD. Remember, I had taken twice the dose they took, and the effects were completely gone. When I came back from my near-death experience, the knowledge I was given during my brief stay was completely removed from my mind. But I was able to recall, even to this day, 24 years later, exactly what I saw, that I was given knowledge and how I reacted. One more fascinating piece of information. Ten years after the event, I was learning about Daniel in Psalms in a Bible class, how God commanded Michael the archangel to save Daniel from the lions. The angel said, as Daniel started to pray, 
he left God's side, and when he finished praying, the angel appeared at Daniel's side and saved him from the lions. Now, I don't remember the passage, but the instructor made it all, or made a point to tell us that if you recite the prayer in a normal speed, as if you were reading it aloud, it takes five to six minutes to read. It took the angel five to six minutes to reach Daniel from God's side. Uh, remember that I said the time was 4.50 p.m. when I blacked out and around 5 p.m. when I came to. Five to six minutes there, five to six minutes to get back. I've been trying to understand what happened to me that day, and this fit perfectly. I'm convinced now that as mortals, we're, we, as mortals, we are governed by time and space. And once we go beyond our mortality, time and space still exist, but is vastly condensed. Hence the planets being so close together during my near-death experience. I assure you, heaven was just outside that wall of clouds. I just wasn't allowed to see it because of the life I was living. I quit doing drugs shortly after the event. When you look up at the stars at night, one of those points of light you see is heaven. And it is only six short minutes away when, you, when we cross over after this life. Now there's a little epilogue that says Jonathan states following his near-death experience. You wanted to know about my drug use. Shortly after my near-death experience, I stopped using hard drugs such as speed, cocaine, LSD. I smoked pot for a while, but within three to four years afterward, I became totally drug-free. I don't even like med medicine prescribed by my doctor. I also don't drink more than a beer or two a month. I'm sure, having seen Jesus and having been allowed to see heaven will always make me think twice about anything negative I can do. That's the end of the account given on enderf.org. So, first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to reiterate what I said on the episode about um, the near-death experience versus drug trips. Okay, and, and the summation of that is that while I believe that many drug trips are simply drug trips, in fact, drug trips are drug trips, that's all there is to it, but um, I give as a disclaimer to that point that you take too much drugs and it'll kill you. And your body, you know, how much that is for any individual body may change, but it can kill you and, and it will kill you. Uh, and so don't do drugs. Don't use it to induce a near-death experience. Don't be stupid like that. Okay, this this uh, guy admits that, you know, his his choices were stupid, that, that he couldn't go into heaven because of his the life he was living is the way he put it. I wasn't allowed to see it because of the life I was living. And then he says, I quit doing drugs um, later. But the point is, this guy took enough drugs to kill him which was stupid, and, but it did cause him to have a near-death experience, and that makes sense to me. Um, the second thing I will say about this is when you talk, when, when you hear things like this, you know, rushing past the planets and so forth, um, I mean, it starts with Venus, then Jupiter, Saturn, if you kind of think about that, it's clear that he's not just like boom racing out into space and just passing, you know, racing toward this destination and passing these planets on the way, because Venus is between the Earth and the Sun, which means if you went past Venus, you kind of took a all you I, I, unless you passed the Sun, 
too. I, you know, anyway, um, when when you hear of the things that people see in near death experiences, it's there is a it's difficult to quantify it in terms of of physical accuracy because um, often they are shown what they need to see and it could be that what they saw was really Jupiter, really Saturn, really Neptune and so forth, but not necessarily as, you know, it, it just they were just on the path. I don't think that would would be the case and I don't think that was the point. I think you know, rushing past these planets was a way of showing, you know, you're leaving the Earth realm. You're leaving life, basically. And many people experience the other side as being here, right on this Earth, but in a different dimension or in a different vibration or something to that effect. And while there are many, many who race out into space and then go to the light, or they race out into space and then come back and then go into the light... Um, the point is not so much, you know, I, I mean, he says, if you look up, you could that one of those stars is heaven. Um, that sounds to me like a, an interpretation of his experience. Now, you know, if he was told that in his experience, that's probably a different matter, you know, by this personage who he, he says is Jesus, um, that, you know, I, I'm more inclined to consider the possibility of that idea, but I suspect because he rushes past these planets and then reaches this place that's bright and beautiful and therefore is heaven. Um, that sounds to me like a conjecture based on his experience uh, between uh, what science has shown us and what other near-death experiences say. It, it seems to me that that um, is probably a... Uh, you know, one of these things where you're shown different things, you see different things, but it's not necessarily that these things are being portrayed in the physically accurate sense, just like the planets and so forth. Okay, and uh, um, I, I do find it funny that he says, I don't remember seeing Pluto. We're like, there's Pluto getting left out again, poor thing. <laughs> kind of, anyway. Um, so then he sees this wall of clouds, and and this is another aspect to the uh, seeing heaven as being, you know, because you hear people describing heaven as this beautiful landscape, as being, you know, they, they encounter this light in space, uh, others in maybe with family, others in a city. This one, it's like this wall of clouds and so forth that's kind of blocking the way. And you know, to the question of, well, was that heaven or was it just some kind of vision that represented heaven? I don't think it necessarily matters. I don't think there's necessarily a difference. And, and I don't know. I mean, just from what I'm reading, there's so many different portrayals of how this comes to be. And I'm realizing too, and, and you know, con trying to convey also that that heaven is vast and diverse, far more vast and diverse than the earth plane that we're on, even than the universe that we're on. And so seeing it as clouds, seeing it as mountains, seeing it as a landscape, seeing it as space, you know, it, it, it can all be accurate. Just like if somebody were to, uh, you know, uh, somebody or an uh, alien from another planet visiting earth, somebody comes and says, they they've just got pyramids everywhere. They they build pyramids and they and they apparently 
you know, live in these pyramids. They may think so because they maybe use their sensors and find that, that there's persons in there, albeit them, albeit they dead, you know. And then somebody else comes and they like they live in these jungles because they landed in a rainforest, you know. You go to another and they're like it's just white everywhere. It's just this white sandy cold stuff, and we know that is snow and that's you know North Pole. It's going to be like that, you know. And, and other places it's going to look you know like a desert or it's going to look like you know the earth is vast and diverse you know others will see it as this just this ocean of water that, that that's the beings that live there now if somebody goes to heaven and sees some aspect of it why would they see the same exact place as everybody else why would they what it, it, that's just not how how our earthly experience happens if you were to describe where you lived at the time of your birth when you entered earth it would be described in all these many diversely different ways and i think that seems to be the case with heaven as well with a much greater capacity for diversity because it's a much vaster place with with much more to work with anyway very interesting little experience there, and uh, um, I would like to, before we go, again share our phone number is 907-NDE, I'm sorry, 970, don't get, don't confuse that, uh, 970, you're going down the numbers if you need to remember which is which, you're starting at the top and working down, 970-NDE-CAST, or 970-633-2278. Seven, eight. Call, share with us your message. I mean, your your experience if you have one. If you simply have a question, send us a question. That's great. It's a message machine. There's not going to be somebody pick up and and that you have to talk to and and so forth. It's simply a message machine. I wouldn't actually know at this point how to set it up to have someone answer other than the message machine. If you'd like to share your name, that would be fabulous. If you're if you're not comfortable with it being known just say i'd rather stay anonymous that's fine too i totally understand but um, just so you know this is an audience that is listening and is willing to hear and believe uh, what you're saying in fact there's many of them that have had experiences and are researching because they want to see what others who've had this experience have experienced or are experiencing also, you can reach us by Near Death Experience Podcast at gmail.com and the website Near Death Experience And once again, thank you all of you so much for listening.